0: for everybody. Perfect. Um, so, um, a really warm welcome to everybody on this call. Um, this is a really special seminar, our ISEP Connect session. And today's session is on the spectrum of teaching styles, um, a view to future research. Um, and we are joined by a number of esteemed colleagues to lead this session. And they are Mark Byra, Feng Lin Wei, Danetta Cothran, and Pamela Kalina, and Nicholas uh, Digitibs. And we are going to turn to those colleagues in a, in a couple of moments. I'm going to be indulgent and take a couple of minutes of your time to share with you um, our new board and what our boards are actually doing at the moment. We're trying to use our ISA Connect um, moments um, during, during the year to try and show you uh, what the board are doing and to be as transparent as we possibly can in that relation. So, Cassandra, is it okay if I share my screen? You're happy enough that I do that? And just to make sure that everybody can actually see it, there's just literally a couple of slides. Can everybody see what's there or not? They may not be able to. We can. Okay, I'll try that one more because it just didn't quite do it. Uh, For me on my side, just to be really awkward. And I'll just share this very quickly. So, um, just to say to everybody, we have a really um, energetic and uh, very committed new board. Um, you'll see Alexandra Mouton at the top left hand corner, um, Susanna Mathur, Christy Howells, Attilio Carraro, Carla Vidoni, Joa Martins, Erin Gerlach, Carla Luguetti, Risto Martinin, Menno Slingerland, Aria Slati, and also uh, Tristan Walhead. We are totally committed to this organization, and we've had a number of board meetings already during the summer to try and really progress our agenda. We are very conscious that we are starting our next 60 years and we want to do some really special things. We have a guiding handrail in terms of what ISF is trying to achieve. And this mission and vision statement really shares what we're about as an organization. So we're international, non governmental, non profit, multidisciplinary, and multicultural. And we're a professional association. And what we're trying to do really here is to empower a global community of professionals in the area of sport pedagogy and PE through the dissemination of high quality, relevant research. And you can see this in spades in what we're about to do today. We nurture scholarly talent through leadership development and building an innovative and inclusive community. That's really important to us. And we're trying to lead collective action to promote effective physical and health education, physical activity and sport participation across the lifespan. We have a number of key values that drive everything we do and they're our North Star. So strength and relevance through diversity, joy of human movement for life, acknowledging and nurturing individual and collective potential, rigorous and ethical research and scholarship, and equity through respect, inclusion, dignity and friendship. We have three strategic goals that we're trying to progress in the areas of leadership, quality research and inclusion and diversity. In terms of the leadership strand, we're trying to be a global leader in research in PE and sport pedagogy and to maintain that stance and then to nurture talent in the area of sustainable leadership. Okay, so making sure we have a pipeline of great leaders to bring this association forward. In relation to quality research, again, we need this to be sustainable and relevant and high quality and that it shapes policy and practice. It's not just done for its own ends and to to establish this dynamic, collaborative, global research network. And finally, the inclusion and diversity strand, which is this idea that we have a diverse, inclusive and equitable community of scholars all the way across the world. And we're going to need your help to achieve these ambitious goals. Um, So we're calling out to you to support us in that. All of that is really laudable and very exciting, but we do have a very core way of actually doing this work as a board. So every one of the members of the board that I introduced to you um, earlier on the slide all have a key role to play in pushing this this, this forward. So you can see what I'm supposed to be doing. We have uh, Risto Martinen, who is our secretary general, and he's looking after administration, media and communications and dissemination. Alexander Mouton is our financial controller. So he's our treasurer and the legal representative for our organization. Tristan Wallhead is the vice president that looks after conferences, specialist seminars and the ISF Connect. And Susanna Mazur assists him in terms of conference liaison officer work. So Susanna and Tristan work closely together on that. Joao Martins and Arias Atzlati are looking after education and training. And um, Joanne Martins has a special role where he is um, our kinesiology association liaison person. In terms of the research and innovation portfolio, Erin Gerlach and Atilio Carraro are in charge of that. Menno Singerland and Carla Luguetti are looking after the membership and recruitment and the equity, diversity and inclusion portfolio. And finally, Carla Vidoni and Christy Howells are looking after the special interest groups and ensuring that liaison between those groups and uh, the association uh, itself. And supporting all of that work is Cassandra Iannucci and she's our ISF administrator. And we literally could not do anything without uh, Cassandra. Cassandra has served. This is her third board that she served. So she she's the font of all knowledge and she's only fabulous. So just to remind colleagues before we move to our main event today, the next thing that will be happening in terms of the ISF uh, portfolio of, um, of activities is the ISF specialist seminar that's happening next month at the end of uh, September. And the ambition for this is that we come up with a position statement for motor competence assessment in educational settings. Many of the colleagues on the call will be at that event, either virtually or in person. And we, we really look forward to seeing what, what will come out of that event. The next ISF Connect will be in October. That will be led by our Secretary General, uh, Risto Martinen. So we really look forward to that. And finally, last comment is please um, connect with us through our webpage, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram. And if you're not a member at the moment or you need to renew your membership, please contact Cassandra or myself to do that. And you can do that very simply uh, through our webpage. So thank you for indulging me and uh, for listening to what we're doing as a board. And we'll keep you um, abreast of all updates as we go through uh, what we're, we're doing as a new board. So I'm now going to pass across to Mark and colleagues. This is, as I say, the main event we're all waiting for. And I can't wait to hear, uh, hear what they have to say about this spectrum of teaching styles. I want to just remind you before we start, please use the chat function Put any questions you have, any queries, and I'm hoping for a really rich discussion um, at the end of this uh, presentation. So over to you, Mark.
1: On behalf of all the Spectrum presenters, I'd like to thank ISAP for providing us the opportunity to present on the Spectrum of Teaching Styles today. In today's session, I'll briefly introduce the instructional framework called the Spectrum of Teaching Styles and more specifically, the Spectrum Institute for Teaching and Learning. A nonprofit foundation. Presentations by Feng Min Wei, Danetta Cothran and Pamela Kalina, and Nikos Dikalitis will follow. Let me speak to the spectrum of teaching styles for a moment. The spectrum is an in, is, is an instructional framework governed by student and teacher decision making. Within each of the eleven landmark teaching styles five of which fall within the reproduction cluster and six within the production cluster, the teacher and students have differentiated roles that revolve around decision-making that is intended to lead to the realization of unique sets of learning outcomes. These learning outcomes differentiate one teaching style from another and in turn impact the developing learner in unique ways by creating conditions for diverse experiences. Spectrum theory emphasizes that no teaching style is inherently better or worse than another. Rather, each style, because of the unique learning conditions it fosters, is either more or less appropriate, given the purposes, the context in which it's presented, and the learners involved. The spectrum of teaching styles is recognized worldwide. Formally introduced by Muscom Austin in 1966, specifically through his textbook titled Teaching Physical Education. Refined by Mostyn and Sarah Ashworth between 1970 and 1994, the year Muska passed away, and further refined by Ashworth over the next 25 years, it has been embraced in physical education for almost 60 years as an instructional framework for teaching in schools, for coaching children and youth, in communities, for designing undergraduate teacher preparation courses, and for conducting conducting research on teaching and learning. To give you a sense of of the internationality of the spectrum of teaching styles, more than 6,500 downloads of the textbook have been made from the website by individuals from more than 103 countries. And the textbook has been translated into eight different languages and, counting. We have additional language uh, translations coming up soon. Now let me focus the remaining few minutes of my presentation on the Spectrum Institute for Teaching and Learning. For some 25 plus years, from the late 1960s until Mostyn's passing in 94, Sarah Ashworth and Uska Mostyn talked about creating a Spectrum Institute. They envisioned an active center with a cadre of international colleagues with lots of spectrum-based research conversation. They dreamed that the center would focus on the benefits of a universal and unifying theory to guide pedagogical thinking and practice. After Muska's passing, Sarah continued to carry this dream forward for another 25 years and brought her dream to life over the last two years of her life. Sadly, she passed away April 11th, 2022. One of the first jobs for Sarah was to select a board of directors for the Spectrum Institute. Approximately two years ago, she did this um, to guide the development of this nonprofit organization. The mission of the Spectrum Institute is to promote, enhance, and disseminate the spectrum of teaching styles, while the primary objective is to provide a center for for teachers, coaches, teacher educators, scholars, and curriculum developers from around the world to study and perfect the art and science of teaching through the spectrum of teaching styles. The Spectrum Institute is being supported by a large gift from Sarah. If it were not for Sarah's doings over the last 30 plus years and her gift to support the many Spectrum activities, the Spectrum Institute would not have evolved into the current nonprofit organization. Since the inception of the board of directors were selected in 2020 and the board members in conjunction with other knowledgeable spectrum researchers around the world, they have embarked on a number of initiatives. To name a few, um, they created a Spectrum Facebook page to supplement the current Spectrum website. We hosted a series of 60, minute Zoom meetings across two months titled Hearing from the Spectrum Experts, where some 25 presentations were made, all of which are available for viewing on the Spectrum website. We selected this past year the Outstanding Spectrum Journal publication for 2021, two of which were um, awarded. We awarded two $5,000 research grants, through a competitive process to Spectrum researchers who submitted research proposals to the Spectrum Institute Research Grant Program. Each year, up to six $5,000 grants are awarded and these are um, available to students and faculty alike. We are beginning to develop curriculum, curricular materials for the Spectrum workshops and trainings to be designed for synchronous and asynchronous um, delivery. We anticipate that it will take about a year to fully develop and likely culminate into a Spectrum course available on the Spectrum website. And finally, here is one one of the pieces. um, We will be awarding, starting in 2023, multiple $1,000 grants to support individuals presenting Spectrum research at national or international conferences. And again, these are available to students and faculty alike through a competitive process. These present a few of the Spectrum Institute's current initiatives with much more planned to come in 2023 and and years forward. In closing, you you could have no knowledge, you could have minimal knowledge, some knowledge, or a lot of knowledge about the spectrum of teaching styles. It doesn't matter to us. We invite all of you to join the activities we are providing through the Spectrum Institute. The spectrum of teaching styles is alive and well. Thank you. I will now um, pass it over to our second presenter and that being Thing uh, Minwei. You know, if I can, there we go. Okay.
2: Let me try to share my screen. So can you hear me?
0: Yes, perfectly, thank you.
2: Okay, thank you. Is it good? Nice.
0: Yep, we can and just full okay. screen now and have it here. Well done.
2: Okay, okay. Cool. So, uh, dear colleagues, my name is Fo-Ming Wei uh, from Taiwan. Today I'm going to discuss about Sicilian, and, and bronze critics of what they called paradigm shift of modern spectrum of teaching styles. I will start from, I will start from describing the background
1: and intent of this presentation.
3: Then I will... Peng Ming, I think we lost your audio, if you could just unmute yourself.
2: Okay, thank you for reminding. Is it okay? Yes. No.
0: Yeah, it's good. Good again. Okay. Yes. So,
2: I I'm sorry about that. Uh so, I will highlight some direction that we we can follow for future investigation of the spectrum. In the first in the first season of 2022, the Spectrum Institute for Teaching and Learning hosted several online workshops. As Mark just mentioned, experts in the spectrum from around the world were invited to share their understanding of the spectrum and how they promoted the spectrum in their countries. Presentation topics of the four workshops involved learning objectives, PETE, cross-cultural transmission, and LL. This serial events attracted me to consider the questions about what have we known about the spectrum and to what kinds of issues the spectrum was related. related. So I started to conduct a scoping review of the spectrum since then. The Prisma checklist was adopted to search, identify, and analyze over 100 English and peer-reviewed literature on the spectrum from uh, 1994 to 2022. This This work is necessary because for around 10 years, there is no critical scrutiny of the knowledge of the spectrum in the field. Nevertheless, there is some critical comment on the development of the non-versus advance of the spectrum. However, according to Goldberg et al's idea, critics is the power for the expansion of the spectrum. So instead of resisting to investigate the questions that mentioned above, I would first tend to response to uh, Cecilia, Camacho, and Bronx critics as a preparation for the following scoping review. Here you can see Cecilia, Camacho, and Bronx critics are twofold theory and, and pratic, practice parts. They thought the non versus logic of the spectrum strongly damaged its future development for the critical pedagogical. Uh, viewpoint. I will go on explaining their critics and my responses uh, one by one in the following slides. First, in terms of the theoretical dimension, they thought the shift towards uh, toward number the shift, shift toward numbers is a tendency to the positivist, epistemology versus to the original value embedded tradition of the spectrum. So the universalism and objectification of the non-versus logic in the spectrum is a harmful problem. However, instead of competing against the alternative epistemologies, I would suggest we should see the other traditions being the things that worthy of our understanding and uh, searching for a chance to cooperation, just as the, as the situation of methodological world between qualitative and quantitative measures. In addition, uh, if we recognize the story which triggered the invention of the spectrum and most in intention of this invention of the spectrum. We might not use the universalism and objectification as a criteria to justify revised version of the spectrum. The second critique is related to the issue of teacher subjectivity. Cecilia Camacho and Brown contended that the numbers is logic is a crisis for the spectrum. But if we take the primary axiom of the spectrum, teacher behavior is a chain of decision making, then we would completely know that uh, teachers are still in the center of any teaching styles. So, and uh, they are the ones who select. And choose which styles they would like to adopt in achieving their objectives of student learning. So the third problem was directed to the student rule in the classroom. Sicilian, Camacho, and Brown argued that the acceptance of the non-versed logic of the spectrum seems to somewhat hurt the status of pupil, pupil, pupil subjectivity. However, if we reconsider the overmentioned axiom of the spectrum, teacher behavior are always connected to the behaviors of, student, of learners in the same classroom. So the axiom implied that the relationships between teacher and students are formed in a structure, no matter whether the dual of student is mentioned literally in the axiom. First of all, uh, from Paul Freire's critical pedagogy standpoint, and most sense use of the independence as the, uh, in, independence as the, uh, as the criteria, we can explicate that the pupil subjectivity is not ignored in the numbers spectrum revision. And finally, uh, Sicilian Camacho, and Brown contended that the numbers logic of teaching styles is being a convenient tool in new new liberal era, being used by those experts in the society. So that so that this kind of cultural politics of education would be a problematic concern for the education system as a well as the society. Even though this situation occurs, to deal with this problem, Durex, as an educational sociologist, sociologist recommended teachers should be transformative intellectuals who who will lead their students to aware of the inequality and injustice and fight against it. In this regard, the spectrum might might probably become an effective pedagogy in helping our teachers deliver their teaching behavior, because uh, the design of the spectrum is based on the sequential transmission of decisions. And also you can see the power from the teacher to the students. So after responding to Cecilia Camacho and Brown's critics and based on my current review outcomes, I would suggest the following questions in terms of the spectrum must be asked in our future research. The questions include first, what the, whether the implementation of the spectrum help teachers improve their profession professionalism. And second, uh, whether learning in the classroom of any teaching styles assists both learners and teachers in developing their individualization as most ten, as most assumed. And next, how can we apply the spectrum as a pedagogical tool for a more inclusive society? How does it success? And my final remarks go back to the title of this presentation, Return to the Origin. And it is, any critics should be grounded on the origin of the spectrum. And furthermore, the future expansion should respond to the origin of the spectrum. This is all my presentation of today. Thank you for your attention.
0: Thank you. Um, and over to you, Mark, again, is it? Or on to your other colleagues? Is it okay. over to you, Donetta?
1: On, on, on to Donetta and Pamela, sorry.
0: For, super, no, don't worry, no problem. Super. Thank you.
3: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. This is um, Pamela Hodges kalena and I'm gonna talk this morning with my colleague, Danetta Cothran. Uh, Would you like me to share, Pam, or are you going to? That'd be fabulous. Thank you. There we go. And we're going to share some of our work from three studies. And um, this has also been discussed in a, a chapter, a book chapter with Dr. S- um, Susie and others. The title of our presentation is The Spectrum of Teaching Styles What We Know and a View to the Future Use and Perceptions. So, um, our studies explored what styles were being used, by whom, and what those individuals perceptions were about the styles. We'll discuss a few other related studies to capture um, a more complete understanding of the spectrum of teaching styles and in particular, the decision-making chain. So our three related studies involved students, teachers, and then an international group that included um, Participants from Canada, England, France, Korea, Portugal, and the United States. So all three studies shared similar research questions. These questions um, listed here are from the viewpoint of students. What styles had the participants um, experienced? That's right. (laughs) I'll just review this quickly. Did the participants differentiate between the potential style characteristics? In particular, we looked at, um, did they find them fun? Did they have learning outcomes and did they motivate students? And then finally, we looked at some demographic influences on their experiences and their perceptions of the styles. So we came up with some sample descriptions and we involved some content experts to validate these descriptions that we used for the teaching styles. And these are just some of the sample descriptions, all from the reproductive styles. For example, um, well, I'll I'll read one to give you enough time. Um, So in the reproductive style, two students work together on a task that the teacher has designed. One student practices while the other student gives feedback to their partner. The students might use checklists to help them give good feedback to each other. Thank you, Janetta. And so the same questions were used for each participant group, but they were worded differently for the students, teachers in their international group. So for example, for the students, they were asked to respond to, I had a physical education teacher that taught this way. I think this way of teaching would make class fun. I think this way of teaching would help students learn skills and concepts. And I think this way of teaching would help motivate students to learn.
4: So, Danetta? Okay, thanks. Uh, All errors were on my part. Pam and I's psychic link was a little low. I was clicking uh, inappropriately. That wasn't her being confused. That was me being confused, which is pretty much the status of our 25-year relationship of working <laughs> together. But I'm so excited to be here with you this morning because I think uh, this Mostyn work is interesting, but more importantly to this particular population of group of ASIP, uh, the work where we worked with other scholars around the country I think is exciting. And perhaps we, if we have time, we can talk about how we might do more of that. So I'll give you just a quick summary of some of the things we found, one of which is that, at least from the students and teachers' perspectives, a lot of styles are being used in the physical education classroom. Students recognized a a little over five of the styles being used, and teachers suggested that they were using eight or even more for some teachers. Obviously, they were dominated by the reproductive cluster, a finding that, uh, that many of you have seen either in your daily work or in your own research work. For the international work, a similar pattern with a little bit of differences and some very unique uh, cultural influences for each country, too. So that was a a very fun project for us and a very insightful one as we thought about what is the context of physical education versus what is the context of the nation in which it's occurring and how does that influence the teacher uh, decision-making sequence. And then there were some exceptions to these patterns, and I'll talk about that at the end but in general reproduction styles rule with regard to participants perspectives on the styles um, in nearly every country the reproductive style was preferred but there were some differences in the u.s in particular you can see as, as you read through that the the five styles had the highest perceived benefits with practice being top ranked internationally the top style was a little bit more variable but overall again more positive for the reproductive style. Mm-hmm. I think for me at least one of the most interesting findings of the student study, and these were college students because it was a captive audience and I was pre-tenure and we needed to do a very uh, quick data collection, but um, the classes that the students self-selected into, so we looked at students who had self-selected into team sports, individual and dual sports, or fitness sports, and those students had different results. Uh, So I think that's insightful to us as we think about both at a practical level, uh, working with pre-service teachers and who they'll be serving in the future, as well as our own uh, work. Uh, Different folks self-select into different piles. And if we're only sampling from one of those piles, we're only getting a part of that picture. As you might expect teachers self-rated ability uh, influenced their willingness and use of different styles. And then internationally, uh, as you might also expect, the views became more positive with more experience, as well as their self-rated ability. Uh, And the use of the different styles varied significantly across national fronts. One of the most exciting aspects of this for Pamela and I have been that other folks have used our instrument to explore different countries. We've had other researchers reach out to us about the instrument Uh, from additional nations, but uh, I don't know if those are published yet or or actually happened. But in these two works that you see before you, excuse me, the results are very similar to our findings uh, with regard to general trend lines and then uh, the uniqueness of each nation. And the the authors of both of these papers did a good job of perhaps explaining Uh, some of the context in which it was happening and why that may have been uh, true for those nations. The Susie and Edwards paper also brings up that issue of, and it's a big one from our work, where's the disconnect between what teachers are reporting and what we as professionals in the field think is happening in their classroom? Teachers reported in this particular study a lot of styles in Australia, but on-site visits, very much a different perspective from the observers. Those of us in the United States who have been out in schools uh, would never say that we've seen a teacher probably that's used eight different styles, yet that's the average number of styles a teacher in the United States reported having used. And so I think that's a big question going forward is, where is the disconnect between what uh, must and theorists believe is a style versus what teachers see as a style? And is the issue perhaps teachers think micro's? moments with students or maybe even a micro moment with an individual student is using a style versus our more global perspective on the whole class and that teacher decision making but um, it's really just uh, really interesting to think how do we see that so differently here's some good discussion points I'll let you look over uh, in terms of the findings of those three studies and while you read that I'll I'll also suggest another couple of big questions that I think are important to consider as as this group moves forward, I think. Um, one of which is, what do the outlier styles teach us? It's very clear, reproductive, yay, except for self-check. What does self-check tell us about the teacher decision-making in the context of working in schools and physical education? That's a finding that pretty much goes across countries, so that's an important one. What's going on with that style? and or the teachers with regard to uh, essentially ignoring that style for for most most days, most times. So I think in the the productive cluster, though, which is generally less, guided discovery is usually rated fairly highly. So what can those, those extremes tell us again about that teacher decision making and how teachers and students, which is the context of greatest influence on teacher decision making, are working to make decisions about what to do in their classroom. And then also think just what's the next step? Is it, ne- is it additional countries? Is it exploring some of those questions that we just asked or, um, or what? And I look forward to hearing from you and the other professionals on the, in this group and in the ASAP larger community about the, that. We're, we'd be happy to talk more about this at the end. I think we'll keep going on that. Or maybe things we learned about working with an international group of scholars, which um, you wouldn't think to worry about number, how do you translate number two pencil, which is a standard nomenclature in the United States, but wasn't in other countries. So we have some lessons learned, some fun stories perhaps that uh, might be helpful to you as you consider an international perspective on Mostyn or some other work you're doing. Thanks.
3: there's some question. oh sorry Pam. did I leave anything out I'm sure I did the, there were some great questions in the in the chat let us work on them and we'll, uh, address them at the end of that sorry super
0: thank you I'll help with that thank you uh,
5: okay so we can continue with uh, the next presentation a good day uh everybody i see so many friends and colleagues uh, around the world i mean uh, we've been missing each other with this covid situation and i hope we find a chance at some point in the near future to to find each other anyway Uh, And I would like, of course, to to thank ISF for giving us the the chance to uh, discuss uh, issues related with the spectrum and the the future of research, perhaps uh, in in this uh, area. Uh, The stimulus for this uh, presentation, I think started 25 years ago. I mean, while I was doing my PhD uh, study. Uh, But today I will try to focus and uh, uh, give you some insights and uh, perspectives in relation with the use of the spectrum in uh, promoting lifelong physical activity and health because this is uh, probably a global challenge in most countries, if not all countries. And of course, I'll try to discuss some ideas and assumptions that might trigger future research for these common challenges. And I'll give you some examples from recent research, unpublished uh, data uh, in press articles. We are familiar all with uh, this picture. I mean, uh, very few kids around the world meet the World Health Organization recommendations about physical activity. And uh, based on uh, WHO, again, school is the ideal setting to promote students' health. And as we know WHO and other organizations have launched a variety of initiatives that give a central role to what we call a quality physical Education program. So, physical education naturally becomes our response uh, to to that uh, challenge. And uh, of course, there are many questions, doubts, and and challenges about the role of physical education in promoting health. Uh, Just recently, Harris and Kale have, uh, or they are going to publish this uh, chapter in, in a book. Uh, setting a couple of questions like how important is physical education role in promoting health and what level of responsibility should physical education have for promoting active lifestyles? Okay, there are certain limitations. We we cannot have it all. We cannot achieve uh, perhaps all the goals that we would like to achieve in, in physical education. Uh, But still, I mean, not only most of them, but only many others years uh, ago uh, have uh, talked and have discussed about the the link between education and well-being, education and health and, you know, similar uh, issues. So uh, what is the problem or what is the challenge, perhaps? Although there are many efforts to promote health and physical activity through physical education, there are many interventions and innovative programs around the world. Uh, Very few of them refer uh, to the spectrum of teaching styles. Uh, So for example, it seems that the link between the spectrum and the promotion of lifelong learning physical activity, most of the times is hidden, or it's something not clearly established or uh, set. So could be a question like a question for future research. Why haven't we found the link between the promotion of health and the spectrum yet? Is it some lack of understanding? Is it too complicated, no interest at all? I don't know. Uh, Perhaps one possible uh, answer could be Uh, The fact that for many years, uh, physical education around the world uh, was focused on learning motor skills. So most of the time, a lot of research uh, was focusing on, for example, what style is best and trying to compare different uh, teaching styles. While uh, let's say it's a, it's a a different level of maturity nowadays, where we know that Uh, we need a spectrum. we need uh, more uh, than one teaching approach in order to achieve our goals, because our challenges are more complicated than maybe in the older days. So how can we promote students' health through physical education? This is our main challenge. Or how can we achieve an objective and which teaching styles are useful to this effort? How can the spectrum help us achieve health promotion goals. Now talking about uh, uh, promoting health and uh, the, one might start wondering, I mean, what is the meaning of it? And just to present a couple of examples here, promoting health through physical education might mean that, how to, f- ways finding ways to promote positive attitudes toward exercise and physical activity, trying to find ways to promote knowledge about how to exercise properly, and try to find ways uh, to promote physical activity for our students for, um, at school settings. Now, if nothing else, s- spectrum of teaching styles is our tool or at least one of our possible tools. Spectrum offers a variety of teaching examples that we can take advantage in order to promote students' health and well-being in physical education. And I will give you a couple of examples. Uh, there is a very nice paper being written in, uh, by, by Wilkinson, Pennington, and Zan uh, Andrea. Uh, you can find it in, in Strategies that was uh, published in 2011, uh, where they have um, a spectrum of uh, teaching styles and a spectrum of teaching examples within each, uh, within each teaching uh, style, focusing on uh, teaching wellness concepts uh, with the use of uh, teaching uh, uh, Styles. So, for example, when the teacher instructs students how to take a pulse, one may say that we are using the command style. Uh, When uh, our students work in pairs, doing sit-ups or bench press or other exercises in pairs, uh, having one uh, guy execute and the other uh, giving, uh, providing feedback, uh, we are working with a reciprocal. Uh, style when, uh, for example, uh, uh, the teacher asks uh, students after the performance of a variety of flexibility exercises what flexibility exercise is mostly helpful after running, and uh, the, this is the convergent uh, style approach. So the, the, the challenge about f- connecting physical education and uh, uh sorry uh, the, the spectrum of teaching styles and health has many different uh how to say paths uh, wh- one of the concepts that is where that has been added the last couple of years and has been adopted by everybody you know it's the physical literacy um, concept where uh, we try to respond to, to the question of how physical education can contribute to increase students' participation in physical activity. And within this concept, we can say that physical education enables children and youth to become physically literate through the development of attitudes, behaviors, and skills. So this concept basically talks about uh, three main concepts, the physical concept, physical competence, uh, knowledge and understanding, and engaging in physical activities, which implies motivation for uh, physical activity. Becoming physically literate, as we all know, is not an automatic process. An action plan is needed to be planned and implemented. PE teachers need to be appropriately educated. Curricula needs to be designed accordingly, and perhaps many, many others, uh, other actions too. So uh, I will try in the last part of this presentation to, to give you some theoretical implications and sample findings from recent research. Uh, It hasn't been published, but uh, you will see it when it is published. Um, uh, One of the, how to say, things that uh, many people around the world have discovered with uh, their research and their approaches is that uh, self-determination theory, for those who are familiar, of course, has uh, some similarities at least with Uh, the spectrum. For example, uh, we do know uh, that this is the continuum of uh, self-determination theory, and we can assume that when we have a teaching approach, a teaching style where most of the decisions, or at least some of the decisions are being made by the student, then there are the likelihood is that we will be promoting what we call the intrinsic motivation. When in the contrary, uh, if we have a teaching style where most of the decisions are being uh, made by the teacher, then we might promote uh, extensive motivation or lack of motivation. Of course, these relationships are not necessarily linear and things do not happen in real life so mechanically as the, as we try to present in the continuum or in the, the spectrum of teaching styles. But there are, I mean, similarities and uh, assumptions that one might make. Uh, uh, and in this theory, we, I mean, for those who are familiar there are three basic psychological needs Uh, that is autonomy, competence, and relatedness. And according to the self-determination theory, one needs to, if if we want to enhance motivation and engagement, we need to focus on these three basic psychological needs. And as you understand, uh, the the spectrum can give, can provide uh, a solid structure where we can produce ideas about how to give choices to students, uh, how to uh, enhance uh, perceived competence of st- our students, or how to promote relatedness. And this is actually the list uh, under-researched uh, study uh, area. Okay, so more research needs to be done especially in this area. We definitely need uh, models that that give us uh, directions, theories and models that have been formed through uh, uh, theory but also through experimental uh, uh, programs. Uh, This is uh, the description of a motivational uh, process that is going to be uh published in a in a paper uh hopefully in the next few months uh and it implies that if we want to focus on out of school physical activity which is a challenge actually for our students we need to think backwards and think a variety of different uh variables that might in determinants that might uh, have a strong influence in in this target uh, variable. Of course, physical education and physical educators, we are not the only ones who have an impact in in, uh, this particular uh, outcome variable. There are certain determinants and certain variables uh, that have a strong influence. Uh, outside of school and outside of uh, our influence. Um, And now a couple of examples from this uh, particular uh, project. We had pupils from four European countries, around 9,000 or more than 9,000 students. And I will skip a lot from the methodology and just focus on some very exciting Results here, but I hope you will find it interesting. Uh, one of these um, uh, results was that the more students perceive that PE teachers satisfies the basic needs for autonomy, competence, and relatedness, the greater their intention to be physically active outside of school. Okay. And another. which just to continue the discussion, another finding, the more students perceive that the teacher satisfies the basic needs, the more they monitor their out of school physical activity. So the the more uh, the, the teacher satisfies the basic needs, the more they monitor, and the more they monitor themselves about physical activity, the more days they are physically active outside school. So this is very uh, impressive. I mean, it gives you a a direction of where you should focus, perhaps. And another, just to conclude here with these very interesting uh, findings, Um, from a pedagogical point of view, the more students perceive that the teacher emphasizes in learning and improving, the more the schedule with specific plans, when, where, with who, how, and how often, to be out of school physically active. Uh, Now, just to uh, have a short note here, As you understand, and and especially those of you who are very familiar with the spectrum, you understand that self-monitoring and goal-setting strategies, strategies that are basically coming perhaps from uh, sport psychology or other areas, uh, but we are using them in physical education, can be easily implemented through the self-check teaching style. Uh, Or when we have... Uh, to teach students uh, and help them how to plan for out-of-school physical activity. This is something that can be easily implemented through the learner design or the learner-initiated uh, teaching style. So, Nicholas, what is more
0: Nicholas? We have we have run out of time. So, are you half, a, half to- a minute?
5: <laughs> Yeah.
0: Excellent. Uh, Do that. Do that, please. i in please. half a minute. Please yeah, please. I
5: know. <laughs> okay. So, what is worth measuring, or where should we focus uh, our efforts? This This is a sample of areas where we usually focus and we measure in relation with uh, health and exercise, knowledge, skills, behavior, cognitive variables, fitness indices, and physical activity. Uh, However, there are some other measures related with health uh, benefits of exercise. Um, This is coming from a CSM uh, report in 2018, uh, where as you can see, uh, and you understand that those uh, those scientists who are familiar with these terms and these variables are not familiar with pedagogy and we are not familiar as pedagogists with these uh, measures. So somehow, perhaps in the future, we might need to think what can we do? How can we collaborate with uh, with this uh, people? And just to conclude, uh, the spectrum includes many questions waiting to be studied and consists of, uh, of a solid pedagogical framework that can provide structure and bring to life many new ideas or help us solve many practical issues we might have. Uh, So we just need to find the connections. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you so, so much. That was phenomenal, all of you, Um, and from all around the world in various locations. You will see in the chat, there is such a rich conversation happening in the chat. Um, And of course, this is recorded and we are going to share it with all of you. My hope is that we will continue the conversation um, outside of this session. So I can see Brendan is there, Shane is there. There's a whole raft of people that I think will want to plug in and connect with with the work presented here today. I presume you're already doing that. Um, And Mark, you you made a call for there was some funding available for colleagues who might want to engage in in research in your center so that will be an important call out at the end of, of this session so i'm conscious of time and you know time zones and all the rest of it And um, risto i believe you're going to put this on uh, on your podcast as well um and i i think this is the beginning of a conversation um for for many of us um and i just urge us to keep this going because this is uh, it has been so um compelling the arguments and all of the questions really really merit a a long discussion so perhaps that can happen offline away from this session and we like to think that ISF Connect is a little bit of a disruptor it it forces you to think a bit differently to understand the great research going on in our field and perhaps to change your own praxis. yeah that's that's really what we're about here uh, for, for the better of our students yeah so I'm going to close the session and thank Cassandra for setting everything up and all of the board members that are on this call. I also want to welcome the president of the Pakistani Council for Sports Science who joined us and Taslim Arif who also works in that association. And we're really delighted to have you on this call and all of the other colleagues from around the world. So thank you sincerely. Please stay safe, stay well. And the next ISF Connect will be in October. On the 28th of October. Okay, I look forward to seeing you then. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. Take care. Bye bye, everyone. Take care. Thank you. you. Bye -bye. Bye Bye bye.